passionate about creating a physical product, something you can touch, feel, or taste, and then get paid for it by those that love what you've created. Well, the Product Launch Revel podcast is the one for you, where you get insider tips on how to spot an opportunity, manufacture your product, get financing, and achieve the independence you've always dreamed about. It's time to crank it up with your host, product developer, investor, and founder of VentureSuperfly.com, John Benzik. Greetings, Product Launch Rebels, and welcome to the Product Launch Rebel podcast. I'm your host, John Benzik from VentureSuperfly.com, where we help double your entrepreneurial courage, even if you don't know what you're doing. In today's episode, I'm interviewing T Major. He is the co-founder of Set for Set, a company that produces unconventional fitness training equipment, equipment such as steel maces. T is also an ACE group fitness instructor and a specialist in fitness nutrition. He's been a United States military fitness instructor for the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines and has served that role in Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. He's also a martial artist, a scuba diver, and an adventurer. To learn more about T-Major and Set for Set, visit setforset.com. T-Major, thanks for taking the time. I'm thrilled that you're here, and welcome to the Product Launch Rebel podcast. Thank you for having me, John. I really appreciate it. It's a real thrill for me, so thank you. So T, within this podcast, there are three segments. The first is called Give Me the Basics, which helps set the context about your company for our listeners. The second part is what I call Tell Me How, where we get to the heart of the matter on issues that aspiring entrepreneurs want to know now to help them move forward. And the final part is the Let's Get Personal piece, where we get into some of the more personal topics about what it's like to start a business. T, are you ready for some questions? I'm ready to go. T, you have such a cool name, T Major. Is that your real name, and is what is the story behind it? My full name is actually Thomas Major, and my, my father is Thomas Major as well. He's senior, and I'm junior. Um, so I've, I've just always been T since I was a kid. Oh, neat. T, tell us the story. How did you originally discover the business idea, the unconventional fitness training equipment company? You know, I can't take full credit for that one, John. First of all, you know, being in fitness, there's not many other verticals that you can kind of uh, dis- decide to take besides one-on-one training, group training, um, starting an e-commerce business where you sell fitness information. You, you might end up being a blogger or a writer online, um, but but it for me, it was a necessary and a very attractive step sideways for me to take to the fitness equipment business. And like I said, I can't, I can't take full credit for that because I had a couple of entrepreneurs and friends of mine that also had the, the exact same idea at the exact same time. Um, Sam Coleman and Kyle DiGiovanni um, are my co-founders of Set for Set. Uh, and they um, have experience in e-commerce and um, sourcing products, various products, and going um, um, B2C. So when they returned from Shanghai back stateside, they approached me with the concept of starting a fitness equipment business. And, you know, I was I was ecstatic because it was it was something that I've always wanted to do. And did you guys invent this steel mace product? Tell us more about that item. 
Yeah, so the the steel mace, we can't take credit for that either. The steel mace, first of all, is um, is modeled after an, an ancient, unconventional warrior tool from that stems from ancient Persia, and the the gada, as it was called back then, was used by by wrestlers to increase their grip strength, and also for warriors that wield you know heavy axes and and different types of equipment that was usually used for chopping people down. So. <clears throat> this was uh, like if if you look up a gata, you will see most likely a bamboo rod with a big concrete block attached to the end of it because they were also using unconventional methods to to kind of construct these pieces of equipment back then. And the steel mace that you see today that we produce is just is just an iteration of that product. I see. And who is your ideal customer for that product? You know, so we are trying to reach people that are usually free from gym. We call it free from gym goers. So people that like to work outdoors, um, who who train in unconventional ways, who are looking for a more of a functional based workout. So functional training, you know, as I like to define it, is anything that can directly correlate or enhance your everyday life and everyday life activities. So um, if it helps you pick up grocery bags, then it's functional. If it helps you to uh, do do perform your daily functions on your job, then it's functional. So uh, the gata or the mace is uh, a piece of equipment, like I said, that enhances grip strength. It increases shoulder mobility. It increases core strength and uh, hand-eye coordination. I mean, we can just go go on down the list of how many skills that it helps to enhance. So um, we're typically looking for those people who want to purchase a piece of equipment that one is cool that they're going to use. The best piece of equipment is always the one that you're going to use, whether it's a penny on the ground that you're pushing across a court to get into shape or it's a treadmill. Uh, whatever your piece of equipment that you'll use is the best piece. And we think that this piece is really cool. It's portable. It's virtually indestructible and you can take it with you anywhere. So uh, we think that, you know, th those are the type of, of customers that we're trying to reach on a daily basis. Yeah, that's a great concept. How many employees do you have? Is it just the three of you that are sort of uh, operating the business at this point? That's it. You know, I've always been a solopreneur myself, John. I know it's kind of a cliche term. It's probably getting overused at this point. But uh, the, the Internet, the web, and, and it's really, it's really opened up the door for entrepreneurs to, uh, to take a lot of the processes that were mundane and difficult for, um, for businesses to perform in the past and automate those. So uh, my previous experience with T-Major Fitness really was valuable in starting Set for Set because I could use a lot of the same tools, programs, resources, connections that I used in starting that business, bring them right over to Set for Set so that we can stay very, very lean when we first started out, test the concept, test the products in the market, and, and just grow from there. Yeah, that's smart. A smart approach. How did you come up with the name Set for Set? Uh, you know, <laughs> we were testing. We were testing a lot of keywords. To be honest with you, we were looking at fitness, um, kind of on a on a macro level, and said, you know, what's in, what's current, what's cool, what are the buzzwords, and we just kind of narrowed it down and kept narrowing it down. And we we I mean, we had a short list of maybe four or five different. Um, brand names and one of the buzzwords that we had was sets and another was reps because you know in fitness things are counted as sets and reps so we started playing around with with set 
and um, I don't remember if it was Sam or if it was myself or some one of us came up with what about you know set for set and then we started kind of elaborating on that in the concept and building the story around it and you know I've had competitions with people in the gym where we go set for set where I will do a set of an exercise, say if it's burpees, for example, I'll, I'll do 10 burpees, then you do 10 burpees, and then we just keep going. And on, I've had backflip burpee competitions where we were going set for set. And it's just a cool way to keep fitness interesting, and uh, and it's a great way to you know to build a community and, and around exercise and also to create new challenges for people to engage in. And uh, they liked it, you know, and everybody kind of liked it and said, you know, that's really cool. And uh, if we wanted to down the road, um, you know, start to um, offer maybe um, uh, some sort of a philanthropic or charitable cause, we could uh, give a set, buy a set, uh, buy a sorry, buy a set, give a set. Um, so there's there's just a lot of ways that we can build upon that brand name, and uh, it's stuck, and it's been working so far. T most entrepreneurs go into business with a set of assumptions. And many of those assumptions prove to be different from what they expected, thereby making them scramble to make changes in order to survive. Regarding Set for Set's uniqueness, did your original assumption about the product's uniqueness prove motivating to consumers, or did you discover a different selling proposition after being in business for a while and after getting some customer feedback? We, we did. We assumed, we really assumed that because it was a new innovative product that kind of your hardcore fitness enthusiasts were really going to be attracted to it. And what we found was after we got featured on um, several websites that people were really impressed with the aesthetics of the actual mace and the story behind it. You know, people thought, wow, this is a really cool tool that you know it's not it's actually not new the concept is not new behind it um, it stems from an ancient warrior culture but we were we were very fortunate to have a stellar photographer that took really great product photo photos for us um, on a very static white background so when you see this really aggressive gritty dirty or meant to be dirty uh, indestructible steel mace on a static, clean white background, almost showcased like an Apple product, it ended up being um, something that was really, like I said, aesthetically pleasing to a lot of people. So we got picked up on design websites, and you know, most of our customers ended up being new fitness enthusiasts that <laughs> were really just excited about how beautiful the, the the piece of equipment was, and they wanted to get it in their hands so that they could uh, actually feel it and start moving with it. So we think we jump-started a lot of people's fitness routines and may have you know, reinvigorated some people's love of, of fitness. I remember seeing it for the first time. I just wanted to grab a hold of it and sort of use it in various ways, so that's really neat. Yeah, we thought, we thought that was really interesting. You know, So we feel like there's still so much potential um, when it comes to, you know, like engaging with certain demographics and breaking into different markets. Um, so yeah, we're, we're excited about the potential. So T, here we are in the Tell Me How segment of the podcast, where we aim to get to the heart of the matter regarding key issues for aspiring entrepreneurs. T, let's talk about raising capital, getting money for your startup. Did you originally raise capital for Set for Set? 
We did not have to. We were, we were fortunate enough to have our own capital to put into the business. So we really bootstrapped this thing from the get-go. And like I said, my prior my prior experience with Team Major Fitness was very valuable. And and um, you know, with the help of the guys, we were able to get the website up and running rather quickly. Um, we outsourced the the logo. We we outsourced the product photography. Uh, but besides that, we really bootstrapped in and did everything ourselves. We wrote the copy. We 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 have all you know all the attachments, the apps, the add-ons, and all the code to the website. We did ourselves. The emails, sequencing, and automation, and you know, like pr- top to bottom. You know, John, we did all of this ourselves. And do you have any tips for aspiring entrepreneurs? Your website, your logo, the photography all seem very advanced. Do you have any tips on getting that type of quality people to help you on a shoestring budget? That's a great question. And um, I think that relationships in business are absolutely everything. We were, again, fortunate enough to have a photographer that has worked with Sam before in the past um, that that he decided to approach that did our unbelievable photography for us. Um, the, the web design and everything, like I said, um, I've been able to kind of scratch and claw my way through learning how to do that. Um, so for new entrepreneurs looking to kind of bootstrap their ways to that, there's several websites out there and there's very talented, very successful people that are looking to offer their services, you know, for, for people that are looking to bootstrap it. Um, sites like Fiverr. I don't know if you're familiar with Fiverr, John. Sure. Yeah. F- Fiverr is a great site. I believe we got our logo from Fiverr. Shopify experts are always available to build your store out. You know, whenever I caught got caught with certain coding difficulties, I um I would just send Shopify a message and they would get back relatively quickly. And if it was something that, you know, I could not do myself, then you can find a Shopify guru who is someone who's very skilled and talented in building out Shopify stores. Let's change topics a little bit. Let's talk about finding a manufacturer. How did you go about finding a manufacturer for that steel mace and some of the other products? Again, you know, you know, I'm very fortunate that my founders had been working and sourcing and, and, and building relationships with manufacturers from their time over in Shanghai. Um, Sam and Kyle both worked for a, a eyeglass manufacturer, so they just use their contacts from over there to to sort of give these manufacturers an idea of what we're looking for. And uh, we stumbled upon somebody who was an expert in dealing with with uh, metals. And before we knew it, we had a prototype up, and we were we were ready to hit the ground running. Did you have any challenges with minimum production runs? Not really. I wouldn't call it challenges. They certainly have minimums set for that, but um, they were they were really willing to work with us, and especially because, you know, our first run, our first order was was a was a pretty hefty one. The, with the steel maces, we were required to order um, two tons worth of, of of steel mace equipment. So that was divided amongst you know the fifteen and twenty pound maces that you would see in the store, um, which we we currently have sold out of. Um, but between 15-pound and 20-pound maces, we had a minimum order quantity of around two tons. The product seems pretty simple to manufacture, but did you have any issues or problems with the first set of prototypes on those? You know, they were pretty done with it. When we received our initial shipment of product, 
we only had out of all the pieces we received two or three units that maybe had small issues with the chip on the paint and um, we were able to really fix that and remedy it ourselves um, so we're very very pleased with the manufacturer that we work with and we will be definitely using them in the future do you have any key pieces of advice on how to go about finding a manufacturer for a product you know, one of the most valuable resources I think out there are the fitness conventions that are in the States, you know. So when you're trying to look outside of the United States, you're not the first one to do it, certainly. And China is certainly trying to get American business because the fitness market is so huge. So you think that you might have to go looking for them, but they're already looking for you. So I went to um, Ursa in, in Los Angeles last month and – more and more, every year I go, I'm seeing more Chinese manufacturing companies that are attending these events because they, they understand the game. They know that you know, the business is there and that you know, it, it's a product convention at the end of the day. So um, the, those manufacturers that are there that, are, that have made the investment to take up some floor space there are, um, are, are pretty smart you know, to do that. So uh, for anybody who's looking to manufacture product or get into it, Put forth the actual investment, which I believe you can get onto the, the Ursa floor, showroom floor for free to just look at the booths and, and walk around. You may not get the conferences and, and, and access to some of the speaking engagements, but in order just to get to the showroom floor, I believe it's a free conference to go into. If not, it's a very, very small investment and it's well worth the plane ticket if you're not an L.A. local to get out there and introduce yourselves and pick up a couple of cards and brochures and booklets and uh, then you're then you're off to the races. That's great advice. When I started my snowboard and ski clothing company many years ago, I went to a trade show and was able to find a manufacturer as well. It was super, super key and helpful. Saved a lot of time in messing around. T, do you have any aspirations to sell your product to brick and mortar retailers at any point? You know, right now, that's not a part of our plan. Right, right now, what our main focus in is uh, really building some brand awareness and um, and, and continuing to, to engage with our customers um, online. Um, the next step, I think, for us would be to – is the B2B sales, but on a more of a corporate gym side. Um, we believe that the Steel Maze has incredible potential to be in a group fitness setting which is my specialty. So what I would like to do is to do, I would like to design fitness programs around the steel mace. And uh, we're already in negotiations and working with several very large mixed martial arts and functional fitness um, establishments in order to build some functional fitness programs around the product. And uh, we think that's going to be great for our business. We think that that's the logical next step. Um, we don't really think that selling in a, in a Walmart or a Target is, is where you know, mo most of our margins are going to be. So, but you know, we, we certainly can't count that out. Yeah. How did you approach setting the price for your products? And what sort of advice might you have on doing that? Yeah, so there's not much competition in the market, but there is competition. So we, we of course, have to keep that in mind and price ourselves according to that. Um, when we started looking at what our margins would be according to our cost and what it, what they were going on retail, we just adjusted. You know, we we knew that we were probably going to have you know some wholesale accounts out there. So uh, we usually you know I think a standard rule of thumb is to go 100% over cost of goods, 
And then, um, you know, usually 200% over cost of goods is, is a good retail price for that. So we're, we're in the ballpark. We have pretty decent margins, but we also have to consider that it's such a heavy freight item to ship that, you know, that, that cuts into our margins a bit. We're doing a lot of um, influencer marketing uh, and working with a lot of affiliates. And that, of course, cuts into your margins as well. So uh, for anybody looking to start in this business and looking to you know, sell a product like that, you got to keep that in mind. And you have to know where you're willing to price your product, but also keep in mind where you're willing to take a little bit of a hit on the margins for when you start working with other organizations and you start pushing out a little bit of volume. T, as you alluded to, most startups have very small marketing budgets. Uh, so, you know, there's no marketing like social media. Like, if you're not on social media, then you completely missed the boat. I, and at this point, I don't think anybody can underestimate the importance of building relationships and building a following on social media. So that was absolutely one of our key focuses. Um, but with our small marketing budget that we had as well, we knew that that was going to be important to um, to bring on influencers that had strong Facebook and social media followings, and we also are going to heavily into Facebook ads. Which, fortunately, at this point, we haven't had to invest heavily into Facebook ad marketing, but that's certainly where a large portion of our small budget is going to go is, is towards Facebook because I think it's undervalued. To be honest with you, John, I think Facebook is way more important than a lot of people even know or believe. Um, it just has the ability to pinpoint target your demographic and your market and you can learn so much from the data that you can collect on there that um, you know if you really understand how you can use Facebook to your advantage then it can be a very 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 powerful tool uh, with the use of text and video and links and um, imagery and photography it's 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 a game changer so uh, most of our budget is going towards building our Facebook brand awareness and um, also targeting um, the demographics we're looking for on there. So T, let's get personal on a few topics. It seems that 9 out of 10 people just talk about starting a business, but they never start one. Starting a business is special and pretty unusual. What motivates a person like you, T Major, to stop just talking about launching a business and then go out actually and start a business like set for set? I've been asked this question several different ways before, and uh, I, w I want to hit on that because it's a very important point. Is like what 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 prevents people from doing it, and then what has what really pushed me to do it. Mm. You know, that's interesting that you say nine out of ten people won't start a business because I, I believe it was Robert Kiyosaki that said that if nine out of ten businesses fail, then the answer is to start ten businesses, and that that line always stuck with me when I got out of university when I graduated with a degree. Uh, I thought that I was going to end up in entertainment. Uh, I ended up in sales, uh, tie and driving a corporate vehicle. Not knocking that, 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 had, you know, that taught me some very valuable lessons and, you know, the door-to-door -door salesman uh, in me uh, now is, is, is still there and is, is definitely still paying dividends from that experience. Um, but I think in a relatively short amount of time, I realized that that's not what I wanted to devote a lot of years to doing. I, I believe that if I were going to work that hard for somebody else, if I even worked half as hard, I would at least be happy. I might not have as much um, 
I, I might not be financially rewarded as much, but I, I would be happy building something for myself. Um, so I just, I took that to heart, you know, I, and, um, I've never been afraid to step out on a limb. You know, I'm, I'm, I grew up in a very small town in Texas. I went to university way across the country in Rhode Island, first time on the East coast, um, did a study abroad program over in Australia and, uh, caught the travel bug. And now I've probably, you know, I've over 35 countries at this point. Um, so it's, for me, the challenge and the experience of walking into uncharted, unknown waters excites me. It gives me the feeling that I'm alive, and it's uh, a passion of mine. Starting set for set was a was a no-brainer because I understood how it worked in conjunction with what I was doing. Um, I have a great team of co-founders who understand the things that I don't understand, uh, and uh, they help to fill in those gaps and. Together, we just get it done. I just know that um, being a part of a team has, has made us stronger. Um, being an, uh, an entrepreneur uh, in a solo fashion with Teenager Fitness, I've taken a lot of lumps. And, <laughs> you know, when, when you build a business by yourself, you automatically and almost inadvertently discover what you're deficient at. And... Um, I'm, I'm taking that knowledge and I'm using that for set for set and it allowed me to approach set for set in a different way and a more confident way. And um, it's been very, it's been rewarding. It's been beneficial. Are you a creator at heart? Do you think it was your destiny to start a business? I think, I don't think I'm naturally gifted at creating. I think I have a little bit of that, of that in me. I believe that I um, am a little bit of a, of a pioneer. I'm a little bit of, uh, I have a little, I have some leadership qualities that, um, that push me to kind of step out of the pack and, and go against the grain a little bit. Um, you know, I, I didn't discover these things until I started playing organized sports. And, you know, I, I started, started to notice that I, I like to win. I like to be first in just about everything that I do. And I think that that, is, is probably the thing that pushes me the most. Whenever I set my mind to something, I like to see it all the way through. And I like, I like the concept and the feeling of winning. And every time one of those steel mace is, is purchased online, it feels like a victory. It feels like a win. Yeah, that is fun to see those units go out the door. What has been your biggest joy since you've started a business? I think the biggest joy is just seeing that people appreciate what you do, that your products or services that you offer are, are helping and enhancing people's lives. For sure, that's that's what it's all about. Teenager fitness and, and being involved in the e-commerce side of it, uh, for a lot of people may seem daunting. And, and uh, you know, I've actually been told several times that it would never work because personal training people think is a personal business and how could you possibly offer fitness online to somebody who's way across the world and it takes it takes certainly being able to communicate on every level that part of your personality that wants to connect with people and wants to help people and wants to help them solve their problems and I've been able to do that and I think that that's something that's pretty cool what has been your biggest frustration I think the biggest frustration is still having to entrust in other companies to uh, to run your business, 
And uh, don't take the, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. But like I was alluding to before, Facebook is so powerful and so good at what they do that you that they force you to be on their platform. And <laughs> because you're on their platform, you have to play by their rules and they can change those rules whenever they see fit. And they do. And I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs out there understand exactly where I'm coming from. From one week to the next, you have to know how to play by their rules and you have to know what game you're playing. And, you know, it seems like there's always the newest Facebook coming along. There's Twitter, there's Snapchat, there's Instagram, there's YouTube, and they all have their own set of rules that they play by. So you have to learn every game. You have to learn every language. You have to learn how to connect and how to tell a story on each each platform. And it's difficult, not impossible. Is it frustrating? Absolutely. Team many entrepreneurs, even seasoned ones, experience self-doubt as they go along their entrepreneurial journey. How much self-doubt have you had, if any, and how have you dealt with it? Oh, every day. Every single day, John. You want you wake up and you wonder if you're doing the right thing. That's the life and the journey of an entrepreneur though. You know, being able to 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 be an entrepreneur is being able to look yourself in the mirror and and, and have those checks and balances with yourself, you know, you're not going to be good at everything and you have to understand that. When you're an entrepreneur, you can't have ego as well because you're doomed to fail if that's the case. You need to be able to step aside from the ego, check yourself and understand that you're not going to be good at everything and those things that you're not good at, you need, you need to find somebody that can help you that is good in those things or you need to educate yourself in those areas and get better. So. Do I doubt myself all the time? Because you in business, you reach certain pinnacles, you have certain revenues that come in, you think it's going to be like that forever, and then all of a sudden it's not. And it's hard when you're in a business like mine, which is very personal. Uh, my name's blasted across the URL. Uh, my face is all over the product. That when it doesn't sell, it's easy to associate that with you being a failure. Uh, and it's hard to avoid that because you know that what you're doing is uh, and, and, and how you're selling is a direct reflection of the work that you're putting into it. Um, and if your product isn't selling, maybe you're in the wrong market, but that's also your fault. If your product isn't selling, maybe you're just, you know, maybe you're just your conversion rate is completely terrible. That is also your fault. So, yeah, every day is, 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 is looking yourself in the mirror and, and doubting yourself, but it's also looking yourself mirror and believing in yourself and if you can believe in yourself more than you doubt yourself and keep pushing forward and play the long game I think that I think you'll be okay how has starting set for set and your other businesses changed you as a person if at all starting these two businesses has really caused me to be a lot more reflective in just about every aspect of my life the, the relationships I build the way I speak to people, the way that I conduct my business online, the way that I conduct myself uh, online personally, the way that I, I communicate with my business partners, the way that we approach every situation has really come from building these businesses, the way that I uh, approach these situations. It's made me a lot more self-aware and conscious in just about every relationship that I have. I've had to depend on people a lot more than I'm comfortable with and that I'm used to. Um, 
in business, but that's also made me better in my my personal relationships, uh, and vice versa. You know, my my wife, I I couldn't do these things without her, and some of the uh, conversations that we have, I can see myself using a lot of the the lessons from those conversations in my business discussions that I have maybe the next day or the following week. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's pretty interesting how there's a, there's so many correlations between uh, your personal life and your, your business life and how those two things should coexist, need to coexist. And if you can find a proper balance and a harmony between those, then, um, it, they can both be pretty, pretty fruitful for you. What have you learned most about yourself? in starting a business? I've learned that I've, I'm, I'm incredibly resilient. I'm a lot more resilient than I thought. Um, that self-doubt we were talking about, I've had several times where I've thought, you know, this is this is not worth it. It's, uh, it's probably better to go work for someone else. Um, the security is, is it's not so bad. You know, you start, the grass is always greener, John. When you have that soft, cushy job and you think about how much more you could be accomplishing and doing, and then there's another guy on the fence who's thinking, yeah, I have the freedom, but I don't have the finances, and it's probably better to be over there. So what I've taught myself is that you know I've been able to navigate those ups and downs of business and to kind of overcome a lot of that, that self-doubt and continue to push through. Um, we know that you know most businesses fail year two, year three, and uh, I've made it past that point at least it, it, with Team Major Fitness and I don't think it's going to be an issue passing that point with Set for Set either. For myself, I, I guess I, I, I pat myself on the back because I feel like I've really been been kicked pretty hard between the legs a couple of times and I keep on getting back up and marching forward. Who has been most influential to you, T, either professionally or personally? I think it's the simple things. It's, it's the simple lessons that have really helped me in life as an entrepreneur. Um, one of my first jobs was working for my cousin at an auto shop when I was in high school. Uh, it's where I kind of learned the uh, the idea of, of, of hard work, um, being in a Texas auto shop pit, draining oil from a Chevy truck that just drove 100 miles. Uh, it's a pretty humbling experience doing that day in and day out just to make a couple hundred bucks to take off to college and school. So, uh, but 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 in that lesson, I learned also, you know, various skills and how to work several different departments within just that small little auto shop. And it was eye-opening to see my my cousin care for his business as much as he did, and care about his employees. He hired myself. He hired both of my brothers as well. Uh, to care about his family, to put us to work, but to treat us like employees and not like family. I thought that was an important lesson. Um, he didn't favor any of us. He treated us just like he would anybody else. And uh, I learned a lot of lessons from working from him, for him and to see him push through a lot of hard times as well just showed me that that it can be done and uh, with, with some hard work and determination. And um, I was very fortunate to go to business school and I just took all of those lessons with the idea that I was going to start my own business one day. Finally, T, did I miss any questions that you feel like you'd like to provide answers to? Or do you have any closing pieces of advice 
for our aspiring entrepreneur listeners? If I had any advice for anyone aspiring to start their own business, uh, it would be just to start. You know, it, you can iterate on on things as you go. You can make mistakes. It's okay. You're going to make mistakes. It's unavoidable. Make those mistakes. Learn from those mistakes and continue to push forward. You know, learn from other entrepreneurs who have made mistakes so that you don't have to, you know, navigate those waters and make those mistakes. Uh, read, research. There's a lot of information online. Uh, if you're fortunate enough to live in a country that has easy internet access, use it. <laughs> there's, there's no excuse when you have such an abundance of material and information at your disposal. You know, John, for myself, like I've always looked at it like this. I would hate to be the guy 20, 30, 40 years down the road looking at my kid's face and they've started two, three, four businesses by the time they're 15 years old and they say, Dad, why did you start a business back then? If you would have started something back then, imagine how successful and how big it would be today. I think that with information and with technology growing at such an exponential rate and with the kids and this next generation growing up behind us, how just the ease of information and the ease of, of using technology for them, that it would just be a shame. It would just be a shame to need, at least not try and to not stick with something that you truly believed in. T, you've been a terrific guest offering some great stories and advice to our aspiring entrepreneur listeners. Congratulations on your success for your entrepreneurial courage for sharing your experiences with us. Thank you so much, John, for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Great questions. Well, you've just listened to another episode of Product Launch Rebel featuring John Benzik of Venture Superfly. To download episodes of previous shows or for other entrepreneur-related resources, visit VentureSuperfly.com. Be sure to like Venture Superfly on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to Product Launch Rebel in iTunes. Join us for our next Product Launch Rebel episode, where we'll continue to reveal insider tips on how to launch and grow your physical product-based business.
Well, you've just listened to another episode of Product Launch Rebel featuring John Benzik of Venture Superfly. To download episodes of previous shows or for other entrepreneur-related resources, visit VentureSuperfly.com. Be sure to like Venture Superfly on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to Product Launch Rebel in iTunes. Join us for our next Product Launch Rebel episode, where we'll continue to reveal insider tips on how to launch and grow your physical product-based business.